Welcome to Talking With Tech. My name is Chris Bouguet and I'm here with Rachel Madel. How's it going, Rachel? It's going good, Chris. I'm really excited. I love our podcast days. Me too, especially today because I need your help. And I am desperate. I'm in a little bit of a corner. And I thought, geez, who could help me out? I know. I'm recording with Rachel today. Rachel, help me out. So do you mind if I kind of pick your brain for a second? Let's do this thing. All right. So here's the situation. Um, the interview today is with Cuyahoga County in Ohio. And so um, that situation was you heard about them doing like a podcast club, right? Where they kind of listened to our podcast and and then we kind of did a surprise visit. And we could talk a little bit more about that. Um, but one of the things that when we popped into these this um, podcasting club group and we kind of surprised them and said hello, some of the feedback we got from them was... Yeah, we wouldn't mind having more like assistive technology stuff shared, Te- just general technology tips for students with disabilities or that as actually we've come to find that just helps everybody. And so, you know, because that was some feedback that I was always wondering about and they gave us that feedback. So here's why I'm such in the, in the corner I'm in the spot that I'm in, Rachel, is that every year since maybe 2014, uh, Aztec, the State Department for Arizona, has kind of hired me to come out and kick off their year-long event of training that they do with teachers in the realm of assistive technology. I'm the kickoff person, and then usually once a month they have somebody, or every couple weeks they have somebody come and they do like, a, here's stuff that's just on reading, here's stuff just on writing. Well, of course, this year it's different because of the pandemic. And so what we put together for Arizona was a kickoff event where I do like a live uh, hour and 15 minute presentation. But then I did a series of recorded videos that we put into a Google Classroom. And for the last three weeks or so, people have been, you know, popping into this Google Classroom and they've been watching the videos. And then I've been leaving sort of questions there, reflective questions, and they've been answering the questions. And we've been having this kind of ongoing dialogue over the last month or so. But here's where we are today. So today's the event, three hours from now, well, two and a half hours from now, I'm going to have the final culminating event of this experience, right? So where there was live, and then there was watching videos, and the entire presentation, it's an hour, we've blocked off an hour and a half time, it's supposed to be Q&A, right? So you've watched these videos, you've participated in the slide deck, you are supposed to come with questions, and then we'll have this sort of discussion about assistive technology, the the, the um, the policies, the practices, the uh, some some technologies that that we find useful, kind of everything in this uh, to kind of get you started with assistive technology. So what I did, Rachel, is I created a a Google form for people to kind of post their questions, right? Sort of like our teaching with tech live, no, sort of like our talking with tech live. Um, is the same idea where there's a Google form, you post a question, and then we'll talk about the results, but not really specific to AAC, more specific to assistive technology, this general, this more general term. Well, there's only been three people that have responded so far, and I've got 90 minutes to fill. So I'm thinking what I'm going to do here once we're done chatting is that I'm going to pop into the slide deck that we've been using and kind of put some general questions that people might have on their mind. Um, and I'm wondering what might you, what questions do you think I should 
we should be wrestling with? What do you hear out there from families, um, your the the other clinicians you work with? Um, just general questions. I think back to that story where you used read and write, you know, for that for that 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 particular client. Um, what are some things do you think would be general questions that I could kind of pop into this slide deck as my plan B? Like, yo, we're half an hour in, and all of a sudden it's crickets, and no one's asking questions. And all right, well, let me throw up these slides, and we'll talk about these questions, and get you know, then I'll facilitate interaction that way off of these slides. But uh, I'm just curious from an authentic view, like I could make up my own questions but i thought maybe rachel might have some authentic questions she could ask well let me first say that i hate that feeling when you are presenting and you think everyone's going to have questions and they don't uh, that actually happened to me last week <laughs> i was presenting with a group and there were like over 100 people on and I, I feel like Chris, you and I, like, it's always the opposite. Like people have so many questions that we don't have enough time to answer them all. And that's what I always anticipate. And so I, I like, you know, carved out a little bit of my time for Q and A and it was just like crickets. Like no one had questions. And I'm like, really? No one has questions? Nobody? <laughs> and I was like, and then I ended up just like sharing some tools. Um, cause I feel like that's always like great. People always are looking for tools that they can use in their practice. But I was shocked that nobody had questions. Um, so anyway, yes, I'm here to help you out. So the first thing I thought of when you were asking, you know, you were telling me this was, I, I'm curious, what is like a technology or, or tool? Hold on. Let me start that again. What is a technology or tool that you feel like most kids would benefit from that most people don't know about? Like, I feel like Google Read and Write is a perfect example of that. Like, I feel like that can help so many kids and a lot of people don't know what that is. Um, but like, is there anything else like that where you're like, if more people just did this, mm -hmm. everyone would benefit? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, so now I, I feel like I have to answer it because we can't just leave it on the podcast as a question. It's right? true. But that is a great question. So just picture that up on the slide, right? Like, and then I could ask everyone in the room, what do they think that should be? Like, what's the thing you want everyone to know about? Like, if you could shout it from the rooftops and let every parent know about. So my, immediately answer, my immediate answer to that is captions. Most people watch TV, but most people don't turn the captions on. But if they did, there's a lot of research that supports the notion that turning on captions help people become more literate. So uh, why not just have the captions on all the time? Like, and that's a that's an old strategy I've been using forever. And and it just everyone who who, who does that comes back and says, yeah, that was so helpful, you know. So and that's one that I think most people kind of sleep on. So that's a good one. That's a really good question. I'm gonna pop up there. All right, what else you got for me? What's another one? I like that one. I'm just thinking about the captioning. And I feel like it is just kind of a general rule, good thing to have on. Like I, it only comes up for me when there's some type of issue, right? And I'm like, oh, what about the closed captioning, right? But I feel like that could just be a blanket recommendation that I give a lot of the parents that I work with and just like reminder. The notion behind it, the, the actual strategy behind it is something called dual coding, which is the idea that you're presenting things in multiple modalities. So you're hearing it and you're seeing it at the same time. I, I guess another little thing that most people don't know, like most people know their TV has captions, even if they don't turn it on. But what a lot of people don't know is that in their built-in accessibility features of most of the devices, um, you can turn on auto captioning. So if there's a video, it automatically turns the captions on. Like your iOS device has that, which is a great little feature, you know? Okay. Hey, Chris, I have another question. And it's similar to when we were talking about Google Read and Write. Remember that client I had who was like, oh my gosh, like, 
what do we like he didn't want to use the technology because he felt like the student would be so dependent on it and it was just like kind of like how do we teach him like no, like this is something that can be really helpful. It's not something that we have to be afraid of. I actually was on a Zoom call, like a team meeting call last week um, with a similar sentiment from a teacher. So I'm just curious, like, are there any things that you like commonly tell teachers as a way to be like, one, this is not gonna hinder anything, it's only gonna help, but also how to encourage the fact that it can be helpful for all the students in the classroom, not just the kids with special needs. Mm-hmm. Well, excellent. That's another one. I can totally picture putting me putting that text up on the slide. And again, me asking everyone in the room, like, what would you do in these situations? And then I can give my feedback on it. But yeah, it it it's it's um it's much less than I've than I experienced, you know, maybe five years ago and definitely less than 10 years ago that I hear those sorts of questions or sentiments. Um, most of the teachers that I work with now kind of have an awareness that these strategies like, yeah, it's not just... So, for instance, text-to-speech, right? Um, you just mentioned read and write, and that's the primary function of that, too. I mean, there's got, it's got lots of functions, but I'd say that's the primary function of it is to hit a play button and have the text read out loud. Um, and, yeah, there was, a, there was a teacher... Probably a instructional facilitator for te technology. So she was like the technology coach at her school that uh, myself and a colleague were working with last year, and we were showing it showing it to her, and she's like, "But this is just for students with disabilities." And I was like, mm, "Yeah, but no. <laughs> um, like, wouldn't it just help anybody to have the text read out loud?" And then she kind of had that like kind of weird like face that that kind of you see how I'm doing it like squinting like. Like, no, I don't think so. And I was like, I used the analogy I used there is um, the glasses analogy, which you used before. You know, we've talked about that before. Um, the oven analogy, right? We've used that, the oven. Like, how do you cook your... Well, how do you cook your food? Food over a flame? You know what oh, I yeah. mean? Like, you, yeah, you, you always start a fire. No, you put it in the oven, and then you put it in the microwave, you know? <laughs> if it's in the oven for too long, sometimes I do start a fire. <laughs> but it's not on purpose. <laughs> Um, and then she started to realize it. And then I, I really love to, and this is a big part of the presentations that I do, but I live, I love to show the history of te assistive technology and how it has grown to be mainstream technology. So, so many things that we, uh, 15 years ago would have been something only for students with disabilities. Now we just are commonplace for everybody, like word prediction, you know. Um, word prediction is one of those things. I can't tell you how many evaluations I've done to, for a kid to get a word prediction, and now it's built into our Gmail, you know. You use it on your phone every day. When you were texting your mom earlier, you didn't have to text out the whole message. You could start texting it and just hit a couple buttons, and it would, you know, kind of do it for you. Uh, same thing, uh, speech to text, flipping it so it's not text to speech, but hitting the record button and it then making your text message and putting it out in, in text and hitting send, um, voice typing in, in Google. And all those things when we point out started out with as accommodations for students with disabilities. And now we just all kind of use them. That is a big wake up feature for those kind of skeptics that think, oh, that's just that's something just for people with disabilities. No, it's for everybody. Okay, Chris, we've asked two kind of broader questions that I feel like thank you for answering because they were genuine questions. Um, the third that I just thought of was more specific, and you were talking about word prediction. I have a student 
who uses Google Read and Write, and also co-writer, um, when he's writing, it kind of depends on what situation he's in, um, but he's comfortable with both. He has word prediction, he can use it, but he gets very distracted by the word prediction and he just starts hitting and making these like silly sentences. And he just like, he goes from like writing about like, I don't know, a paragraph he just read. And then all of a sudden he's like gone down this like rabbit hole of like the silliest nonsensical sentence that you can imagine. Uh-huh. So any tricks for that? <laughs> yeah, a couple, a couple. So the first one is there's two, actually two different functions. One is work, predict ahead and then there's predict in line. And so what that means is predict ahead is you hit the space bar and before you type anything else, it gives you a list of words that you could choose from. Um, but a Another predict in line is that as you start typing, that's when the words pop up. So you'd already have to have a word in mind. So it's not just kind of some, it's not just uh, like predict ahead. It can choose anything. Um, I mean, it's usually choosing something in context to the words that are in front of it, but it's not necessarily generative from the student. They could recognize a word and choose something. But if you turn that off and make it just predict in line, then they have to start a word. And now they're looking for the word that they started. So that's a good trick or a good strategy, I would say. Another one is, is to get the sillies out, right? Is that we go and we play with different font sizes and we play with different voices. Make it really fast so it goes really fast and you can't really hear it. Well, how funny is that? And we all laugh. And then we make it really slow, right? And then, okay, now that we got the sillies out, which one works for you, you know? And the same sort of thing. Go ahead, make the funny, silly sentence using word prediction. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Look what it made. Okay, now can we make a real sentence with it, you know? And that kind of helps, I think, uh, know that it's allowed. It's not something, re- you know, restrictive. Um, and that, uh, uh, that, that we move in this direction, like we still have to get our work done and accomplish something. Oh, I have to tell you that this student that I'm thinking about, first of all, those are really great suggestions. Um, this student that I'm thinking about, he he definitely gets silly with word prediction and just like makes things that he makes sentences that don't make sense and then he laughs. <laughs> he also makes very clever, like you know, grammatically and syntactically correct sentences that are silly. <laughs> and so a strategy that I have with him actually is, okay, like every, you can do one silly and then you have to do a serious and then you can do one silly and then you have to do a serious. So like he'll make a silly sentence, he'll laugh and then he'll delete it and he'll make the real sentence. <laughs> and that has been a really great strategy because as you mentioned, having it, just saying no, we only have to be serious. Like you have to write seriously all the time. Like that's just not, that's not, it doesn't always work, right? The more you tell kids not to do it, the more they do it. And so th- this notion of kind of silly and serious and I actually have a visual cue um, and I have both of them. And so I'll show like, okay, like this is your silly and like make it super silly. I want it to be the silliest sentence you can think of. And then I'm like, oh, that was so fun. Okay, now it's serious. And he's so funny, this specific client, because he'll look at me after he's made the silly sentence and he'll like start making it serious. And then he'll look at me and he'll go like, silly sentence? (laughs) I'm like, you know it's time for a serious sentence. (laughs) But anyway, um, I love that strategy because like if we try to just say no, first of all, like we're, we're teaching kids hopefully in a fun and engaging way and we can teach a lot with kids being silly and using humor um but i also think that the more you tell kids like hard no means i'm gonna do it anyway and like that doesn't really serve us either so i think there's like this compromise that we can meet kids in the middle 
Well, thank you for those questions and for brainstorming with me. I knew you would help me get, you know, past my, you know, in the state of stuck there <laughs> uh, and give me some strategies that I could use to, to move this pre presentation forward. Well, I'm really curious, actually. I want people to go in the Facebook group, and if you have any more questions that are related to a general umbrella of assistive technology for Chris, specifically, because he's way better at AT than I am, <laughs> then go in the Facebook group. If you haven't joined our Facebook group, definitely head in there. Chris, there's so many great things that go on in there. I have like pop in and I'm like, oh my goodness, like I feel like I haven't been in here in a while and there's a lot, a lot going on that I need to respond to and like. Like the last three weeks, there's been so many people sharing stuff and questions. It really has been, I mean, a lot. <laughs> so I know. We love it. We love you guys, you guys in there. And we have like almost 3,000 people in there right now. Yeah. Um, so it's just like crazy. It keeps growing and growing. And I feel like it's a really great resource. There's, it's Chris, people in there know our podcast better than we do. <laughs> like It's like someone's asking about like, what episode are they talking about this? And like... I'm like, I have no idea. And then someone like writes in the comments, I think it's this episode. I'm like, wow, thank you guys. Thank Which you. is so great. It's so great. <laughs> I um, Another little thing about our podcast and the fans and just celebrating them. I present, I know we've been doing a lot of presentations together and separately recently. And just Friday night, I was presenting to Iowa, uh, the Isha conference. No, no, sorry, I said it wrong. Aisha, they, they had corrected me. Aisha conference, the Iowa Speech and Hearing Association conference. And when I, when the, when the, be, the beginning of the session, like just introducing myself, people put in the chats like, we've been waiting for this all week. We're such huge talking with tech fans. We've, since we saw this posted, like three or four people were, were uh, writing in there and I was just like, whoa, you know, we've arrived. It's cool. I know. I know. I like always ask people if they've listened to the podcast and so many people now are in the chat. Love it. Favorite podcast. Listen every week. So it's just, we love you guys. Thank you guys so much for all your support. And um, it's just really cool to think about, Chris, how much our podcast has grown. We're coming up on three years, which feels crazy. Really? Yeah, it is. Three years. That's that's a long time doing a podcast. It's like three years in November. And like November's right around the corner. So. Well, here's the three more. Exactly. And three more after that. And three more after that. We love it. Chris, what's our interview today? I forget. Well, actually, I was going to ask you because I think you're the one who set this one up, right? This is the uh, Cayuga County, or is it Cuyahoga County? You think I would know this because I'm actually, I spent some time in Ohio. I went I went to Kent State, and this county is like next neighbors to, to where, I, uh, where I was there for a few years. But you heard about them, right? That they were doing this podcast club. What would you remember? How it's how you what the connection was? You know, I honestly like was giving some feedback about our podcast in some type of social media forum, and somehow I was you know having a conversation with was it Rachel? Was that her name? I think she was a Rachel. Mm -hmm. Was her was that her name? I think Hold so. On. I want to check. Hold on, sorry, Michaela. Let me just check and make sure this podcast club. Yeah, Rachel Parkin. Okay. So I was having this conversation with Rachel, who was just casually mentioned that she had this podcast club. And I was like, podcast club? Like, she's like, yeah, we listen to your podcast and we like get together and talk about it. It's like a book club, but a podcast club. I'm like, oh my God, I love this. I was like, when's your next meeting? <laughs> 
And so like she told me, and then of course I reached out to you, Chris. I was like, Chris, what are you doing? <laughs> We're surprising a podcast club. And it was so fun. Honestly, it just like made my day because everybody was so surprised. Uh, we actually have the video. We're going to share it in our Facebook group. So <laughs> it's just like really funny how surprised people were um, because they just assumed they were coming on to talk about the podcast. Little did they know the podcast host would show up to their meeting. <laughs> so it was a, a great time. It actually ended up being a really great conversation. Oh, so that's why best. we decided to record it and we're sharing it with you guys. And honestly, if you guys have a podcast club, like we would love to to surprise your your club. Um, so definitely reach out to us. And if you don't have a podcast club, we think it's a great idea. So yeah, start I, one. Why don't you have one? one? <laughs> exactly. Everyone start podcast clubs because, and, and this is kind of what you'll hear in the, in the interview today, but they were talking about how like they don't oftentimes get a chance to, to connect with each other. And this is a way for the group, um, you know, a large group of clinicians who have, you know, a shared interest and, um, you know, expertise with AAC. And that's kind of what they're doing in, in the field. Um, they're able to come together and connect and, you know, they pick different episodes and it's just a really fun idea. So I thought it was great and I'm really excited to share with you guys today. We Zoom bombed them. We totally did. <laughs> All right, without further ado, let's listen to our conversation with the Zoom Bomb crew of Cuyahoga County. Doctors Lauren Kravitz-Bonnet, Sarah Douglas, and Virginia Walker are developing an exploratory study to examine supports for students who use augmentative and alternative communication in inclusive school settings. They are hoping that you can help them identify individual schools or school districts in the U.S. that have a strong commitment to inclusion and a reputation for including students with complex communication needs within inclusive general education settings. If you would like to nominate a school or a school district, please email Dr. Sarah Douglas at sdouglas at msu.edu. That's S-D-O-U-G-L-A-S at msu.edu. started a podcast club that I had to join. Oh and we have somebody else here. <laughs> hey, everybody. Oh, my gosh. Are you guys so surprised? <laughs> Valve's going to burst. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to put makeup on. There you go. <laughs> Listen, we wanted it to be a surprise. We're so excited that you guys join joined this podcast club and you guys talk about our podcast. We're so flattered. That is amazing. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, we yeah. love doing it. We really appreciate all that you guys do to make the podcast happen. So thank you. So I'm just curious, like, how does a meeting like this go? And like, are you guys okay with us kind of like joining last minute? Zoom bombing it. We're zoom can we, bombing can we zoom bomb into this? I think everyone will be okay. It was zoom bomb with invitation from Rachel, right? <laughs> yes. I just invite Rachel found me. She offered to come, which I so appreciate. We uh, at, it was because of the Cleveland State presentation I'm doing next Wednesday, and we I wanted to do some like pre-listening, pre-reading, 
And of course, I mentioned and everybody mentioned that you should listen to a Talking the Tech episode as part of that process. So Rachel saw that and reached out. I was literally so excited because I I'm like a avid podcast listener and I have joined a lot of book clubs in my years. So when Rachel was like, we have a podcast club, I was like, stop it. When's your next meeting? <laughs> and I almost fell over when I read that email. <laughs> yeah. So like, so how does this, how does this go? Like you guys just kind of talk about like the, the podcast that you guys have listened, listened to. I'm happy to talk about it or somebody else can. Anne, you want to? Yeah, no, no, go ahead, Rachel. Okay. Rachel started. <laughs> I think they're all a little You don't stop me from talking, though. Um, so <laughs> basically, we all were listening a lot, and then we realized that, you know, a lot of the times we'd kind of get together and end up talking about it, and we thought it'd be really nice to, like, make it more of a formal process. So now what we do is um, we actually alternate months. Every other month, we do a podcast episode, and every the other every other month, we do a journal article. And um, people will volunteer to pick an article or a podcast episode, and then they send it out in advance. We all listen ahead of the meeting, and then usually they put together some like basic talking points and notes uh, about the article or the podcast, and we all chat about it. So which one did you guys choose for this meeting? Anne, you're up. <laughs> yeah, um, the one on creating a successful AAC group. Oh, love it. So how do you guys like decide what you choose? Do you just kind of like whatever speaks to you and you think would benefit the group? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, so we just started uh, an AAC group, or really Tina uh, was the, started this AAC social group. So that's the reason why I chose this one. It was just perfect timing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Oh my gosh, Tina. Hey, <laughs> hey, Tina. I know you, Tina. <laughs> you were part of this podcast club. We have our own AAC celebrities here. <laughs> I'd say. I'd say. <laughs> and I just wanted to point out that we also have assistive technology specialists. So we have kind of a distinction here in our county board, um, uh, Cuyahoga County Board of Developmental Disabilities. I'm the, I'm the manager of everybody here, but Peggy, who's here from another county, and that's nice too that she can join in because uh, we're, we're lucky in our county, it's so big, and we, we serve so many people that we have five speech pathologists dedicated to augmentative communication for school age and some adults, and then we have three speech pathologists who work with adults, but a lot of the adults who have developmental disabilities, AAC is a part of it. Uh, oftentimes a part of every referral they get. And then yeah. we have three assistive technology specialists. So they are teachers or um, in one case, uh, somebody who has a resident certification and they have gobs of experience in AT. So we can combine the SLP AT uh, combo. So we've got most of those people here on this uh on the Zoom, and then yeah, woo -woo. And this then, is like AT, yeah, yeah. And to start this AAC social group during the pandemic to try to connect individuals that we always want to see connected, right? Because this guy's yeah. over here in this school district, and totally, his parents so isolated and works weird hours, you know. So this was an ideal time to bring all that technology and all that opportunity together. So then to have a podcast about it, and then to have both of you here is just just awesome. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't want to disrupt your meeting, but we we would love to join if you guys are down. <laughs> can we can we join? Yeah, did you email them the agenda? I did not. Oh, no. I did not. I can share it. <laughs> of course. And just so you guys so you guys are all within the same district? 
County. County. We all work for the same okay. county, the County yeah. Board of Developmental Disabilities. So yeah. in yeah. in Ohio, the primarily it's the the boards of developmental disabilities that mm -hmm. employ assistive technology specialists, speech pathologists, uh, provide the early intervention services, and we're in Cuyahoga County along the the north coast, northeast Ohio, Cleveland, that whole area, and our county board serves around ten thousand five hundred people from toddlers to senior citizens. But we don't serve them in buildings, we serve them in their natural environments. So toddlers, you know, at home and community, school age and school, private school, community, transition age and employment settings, et cetera, et cetera. And adults, anywhere adults go, work, day program. So it's a mobile, mobile group and has been a mobile and virtual group through the pandemic. Uh, but this is also a way that we keep connected because sometimes, especially pre-pandemic, mm -hmm. sometimes even though their desks were right next to each other, they might not see each other for a week, week and a half. So then coming together to learn together, discuss issues, it's it's vital to keep them connected and keep everybody learning. It's just an amazing group of people. Mm -hmm. How long have you been doing the, the research slash podcast? Yeah. Two years. Two years, almost, right? Yeah. Yeah, almost two years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like yeah. the modeling, like a master pal, people have been able to do that training. We, I mean, started with, listening to your podcast mm -hmm. and learning more about it and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. We love Tabby. Yeah. Tabby. <laughs> She's great. <laughs> yeah. And then we we can just dis disseminate things that we've learned out to the speech language pathologists that we're supporting in the schools. Mm -hmm. It is. It feels like sometimes you're like in your own silo just because the nature of what we do and even for myself, like just connecting with other people who know about AAC and AT is really challenging. So it's really great that you guys like set an intention to set some time of, uh, you know, each month to discuss these things, because I feel like it's, it's so easy to just like, you know, put it off and like I, I, all the journal articles that are like on my desk, like just like collecting dust. Um, so it's really great that you guys have set that intention and um, come together, both from a social perspective and also just like sharing, you know, new ideas and strategies and tools and things like that. So it's super exciting. Rachel, wouldn't you say that's one of the benefits of us doing the podcast is that you and I kind of hold each other's feet to the fire. So because we talk once a week about or almost once a week about some sort of topic that it, we have to stay abreast on it. So um, where if we didn't have something scheduled, it's easy, like you said, to guys kind of put that, eh, I'll get to that article, oh, I'll get to it. But having this kind of community helps you kind of keep it going, keep that train moving. Yeah, totally. And I also think that it's just, it's so interesting because we all, like so many different people who have been on the podcast, they have different perspectives and they do different things in their area. And so it's so cool to be able to talk to different people doing the same work in a lot of ways, but doing it so differently. Um, and so it's just really cool to be able to do that. And yeah, Chris and I are, we're talking AAC at least once a week, sometimes twice a week if we're lucky. Um, so it's just, it's really nice. It feels like can, I have like a weekly continuing ed appointment with Chris and whoever we bring on the podcast who we're interviewing. So it's really cool. Hey, Rachel um, and Chris, just this week, I had a teacher tell me, a special ed teacher tell me that a group of four intervention specialists were joining together to do professional development in the area of AAC, and did I have any ideas? And number one on my list was, well, she asked for journal articles or textbooks. And there, no. <laughs> number one on my list was talking with tech, 
And I also suggested some fabulous webinars, you know, from different places. And I said, I'm not going to wreck a text journal articles. We've done the journal articles, and it's been a little controversial sometimes uh, with, with the selections. My fault, partially. But uh, I can't wait to hear the feedback from them about what they think of your podcast. That's amazing. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because I feel like, especially now we get a lot of uh, professors who are training graduate clinicians saying that they use our podcast as a way mm -hmm. to train. Um, and I just think it's so cool because it's, it's definitely a new way to learn. Um, but I feel like it's, it's cool and hip and easy, which is always nice. Um, sometimes the, the, the articles and the journal, you know, publications, they just feel like work. And in a lot of ways, like what we try to do with the podcast is make it entertaining you know, make it really actionable. So you listen to a podcast and hopefully you come away with some ideas on like what you can do tomorrow to, you know, try something different in your practice or teach something in a different way. So it's really interesting how things have begun to shift with technology and like staying, you know, staying hip with like podcasting and trying to create continuing develop or continuing education development through that um, is something that's so cool that we've been able to do. So I'm awesome. Thank you so much, Gloria, for sharing our podcast. Uh, We're sure. super excited. You know, Gloria, I would also add the feedback that we've had over the years, not just with Talking With Tech, but with the AT Tips cast, the podcast I did prior to this, um, has been that people can listen while they're running, while they're making dinner, while they're giving their dog a bath, while they're whatever, <laughs> You know, where a research article, you pretty much have, that's what you're doing, you know? And so right. with one stone, I find people really uh, dig that, you know? Yeah, I agree with you, Rachel, that reading a textbook or journal articles can feel like work or mm -hmm. school. And professional development is way, way different. And I think that you need to personally get something rewarding out of it also. Like being entertained is fun. And you guys are so funny. <laughs> <laughs> we try. Dad's uh, Chris is really good with the dad joke. So that like keeps it lighthearted. And he's like always playing tricks on me. So <laughs> there's that too. Now, I'll tell you, as an AT person who's not an SOP, I'm on an island. And every once in a while, with these group girls, because they all know what's going on. But um, having you be able to integrate both the AT with the AAC pulls me into their world a little bit more every time I listen to one of the podcasts. And vice versa. I mean, my gosh, the first half minutes was on, on read, write. I mean, come on, they got to learn something that I've been trying to teach them for, for years. So it's awesome. Yeah, you know, actually, Julia, can I ask you a quick question there, everybody? Um, our podcast producer, Luke, uh, Luke and Michaela are the two people that, you, that, that, you know, they're the behind the scenes support for the podcast. We reference them every once in a while, but Luke has been sending us messages saying, um, Chris, Rachel, I feel like we need some more general AT, like read and write, like those sorts of strategies, you know? And, um, I always wonder like, well, do people come for us for AAC? Do they come for us for AT? Those things do cross over. And we, of course, you're, you're not like, if you're an AAC user, it doesn't mean you don't use read and write, you know, you can use both. Um, but feedback for us, would you like to hear more of that kind of stuff? Like everyone's nodding. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm good nodding boy. too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's good. It's good to get that kind of. I think what's really important too would be continuing that merge so that um, we, we don't lose the literacy with the AAC and we can, can, can use how um, those individuals, the people who are really coming, I, I believe the people who are your core, 
um, can see how there's different types of assistive technology that we can start utilizing through 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 that means. Right. I was going to echo just what Julia said. Like for me, I like to just kind of have a general idea of what is happening in the AT world. I know that I can't possibly know everything that Julia and Sid know. I mean, maybe I could, but I don't. And <laughs> um, to hear more about it, just so that when I'm working with a client and they're not around, I can at least be like, I bet there's something for that. Or I know there's something I heard about for that. And I can connect with one of them to get something like that but without I mean obviously I talk to them regularly um and often ask but it's just nice to have that general, general awareness approach. yep I, I also okay. want to interject in in uh, a lot of places you don't have these distinctions you know the mm -hmm. SLP is supposed to be everybody yes. and I remember back in the day when I did the work and we only had one AT specialist to start and I'd be in a classroom and then I'd hear hey, can you help me with this computer thing? Or this student's really struggling around the academics. And sometimes I felt like, oh, I wish I knew more because I should be giving them more advice, better advice. I mean, that was a long time ago and there's a lot more ways to learn. But I think just like you talked about, it's such an easy way of learning. So interjecting that uh, AT in with AAC, it's all intertwined. Yeah. I love it. Tina? I mean, there are th only three AAT specialists and there are eight of us starting adults and school age kids. So um, like they, yeah, we, we all need to step up and do as much as we can. And they're all amazing and helping us um, make sure we know what's out there and what might fit for, for the people that we're serving. But yeah, it'd be really challenging <laughs> if, if it was just them, they have to share their knowledge with us. I think Tina too, it, sometimes it's even about raising aware, like I don't always think about the AT stuff because I think from a communication perspective and mm -hmm. when you hear like about read and write as a part of, you know, whatever conversation is happening, it brings to mind for me of like, oh, this kid could use that and that could use that and I wouldn't have thought about it otherwise per se, or it might come up later and we miss time that way. I totally agree, Rachel. I'm sitting here just thinking of all the kids that I've worked with, Julia, Sid, and just recently Mike a little bit. And it, and then I'm thinking of all the others that I'm wondering, what should I be doing AT-wise for this kid who uses mm -hmm. AAC or this mm -hmm. kid who doesn't but could use AT? So, I, yeah, the need is crazy. And my need for more knowledge and more experience is super prevalent for sure. Well, it's just all communication. It's just all communication. That's that's what it comes down to. Totally. And I find that especially now that we've made such a shift to virtual learning, so it's it's it feels like a lower hanging fruit now. It's like before I used to be like, oh, I need an HT assessment and all these things. And like now I'm just like install Google Read and Write. Like it's a Chrome extension. Like let's get it going and see how it works. Like I'll share my screen, give you remote control access so you can like try it out right now. Yeah. So I feel like now more than ever, it's like we can start integrating these things for our students to really help them, you know, with academic tasks, with reading, with writing, you know, all the things in addition to, you know, obviously supporting your AAC needs, but I'm finding that the virtual learning piece has made it actually easier. Um, and for me, I work with a lot of parents because um, I'm in private practice, but you know, it's so easy to just show parents really quickly, like, look, like I just click this little purple puzzle piece and wow, like look at all the features that we have. Yeah. Um, and so it's been really great. I've been integrating it more with students and haven't, it hasn't felt like a big deal. It's just like, look, this is something that can support 
you know, the student um, when they're doing virtual learning and teaching parents how to use it because parents are often the ones that are sitting next to a student all day long trying to help them and support them while they're, you know, participating in, in school. Mm -hmm. So it's been um, a huge shift for me and my practice. So Chris, we got to do more AT stuff. Yeah, for sounds all like us. it. I, you know, Rachel, I'll also add that um, we're talking there from a parent perspective, but I, th those, the, the number of general ed teachers that now know about these schools because of this uh, situation skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, I've never been more busy. I don't know, Kathy, Sid, are you, Julia, are you just as like through the roof with more inclusive general ed teachers asking and now knowing about these materials, which is, again, huge silver lining. I think there's multiple silver linings here because we've also talked about the coaching and how there's a shift mm -hmm. to coaching away from direct instruction. I think that's a, a second silver lining. So there's a lot of good coming out of this awful situation, you know. We've definitely seen that, especially from the coaching perspective, too. Yeah, mm -hmm. I totally agree. And Rachel, something I don't even I'd be curious if the episode we listened to, you had recorded it like, I think, right before COVID started. Um, and you were talking a little bit in the episode about how people see that Google Read and Write as a crutch and how do we kind of overcome that and help parents to get past that mindset. And I'm curious to see if COVID shifts. Like, I'd be, it'd be interesting if you had done it during COVID, right, because I feel like people get it now in ways where they're like, oh, there's something I can use on my computer. Great. Like, I'm curious if we're going to be having that conversation as much now that people are almost forced to have that accountability, you know, and, and access to these tools. Totally. I saw that student last night, actually, um, and I was working and, well, you know, we're using it now. She's using it independently. So when she starts doing something and she gets stuck, like she's now going to Google Read and Write, which is part of the goal, right, was to get her independently realizing when she needs help. She's a fifth grader with uh, dyslexia. Hmm. And um, it's been so cool. And actually, I haven't like I haven't even told Chris this, but the other day, I think it was like two weeks ago, I was seeing the student and dad came in. And I don't know if you guys I don't know if that was the episode where I was talking about this specific student, but I think it was. And dad had a lot of pushback. He was like, we don't want it to be as a crutch. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think it's good. You know, all these things. Um, so dad was like he came on after. And she like left and we were talking and he's like, I have to say that like that little puzzle piece, like that's, that's been a game changer for her. Like she's really using that. And I was like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy. And I was like, I'm so happy to hear that. And I'm thinking to myself, like, remember when you were so opposed to this? Um, but, you know, I think sometimes it just takes like, you know, practice and to show instead of just telling parents like or teachers that this could be useful and why it's really just kind of practicing and showing the power of it um, because she's made so much progress across the board. She's now reading better. She's now writing better. Um, so because of the progress, he's kind of like bought in to the, mm. the technology. Right. Um, but I was so happy. I don't think did I tell you that, Chris. No, not yet. Yeah, I don't think so. She I was probably just, likes reading and writing better. Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> exactly. And you know what's so funny is that I think it was before we had that conversation, like a day or two, he sent me a photo and he was like, she's reading before school and she's four chapters ahead of her class. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes, because <laughs> ultimately that's what we're trying to do, right? Like we're trying to cultivate a love for learning and a love for reading and writing, maybe not writing, but reading at least. <laughs> um, and so I feel like that's, that's what, ha what's happened when we've made it a little bit easier for her. She's had more success. She feels more confident and she has a tool to fall back on when she 
she's not sure of a word um, instead of just being left with nothing. Um, so that was something that I think he, I think he sent that picture to me a few days before I had that session when he then eventually came on and was like that little purple puzzle piece. <laughs> the most profound thing that you said that, I mean, it's simple, but profound is that we use those things all the time. Totally. If I can't find a word, <laughs> I Google it. Or so I struggle with the fact that parents wouldn't buy into that. If you mm -hmm. can explain it that way. Yeah, and analogy. Who was it? Was it Rachel or Chris? Somebody was talking about if the kid needed glasses. I use family. that example yeah. all Chris. the time. Oh my gosh! Yeah, all the time. It's so it's so more it's so much more like concrete, right? Yeah. You said that, Chris, and I was like, yes, yes, that. <laughs> and, well, I don't know. And and why does it have to be hard to be learning, right? Why can't it be easy and fun to be learning? Because mm -hmm. then it. It, you're going the learning will happen because this, the individual is engaged and enjoying it and thinking and it oh, it's just yeah so, so it comes down to the our, it's our our job or I foresee my job as making those tools um, universal so that you know making sure that everyone has them so it's no longer a stigma to put, put, touch the little purple piece you know, or use Microsoft 365 and get all the accessibility features that are built in and just keep pounding into everyone's head. They're there, they're there for everyone. They're not specifically for your individual. And, and that's been, that's what we've got to do. We got to keep doing it. Julia, so. you know who I think best allies there? And Rachel, this is what I would ask your, your fifth grade student to do now is tell mm -hmm. a friend. I mean, the students can be the biggest allies there as going, hey, do you know this little puzzle piece exists? And oh, no immersive reader was built in because then they can discover it on their own, just like we do with our friends mm -hmm. and our colleagues, like you are right now, you know, you're sharing these, this, what you have learned. Let's get them doing that at a young age. So they grow up with that sort of idea of collaboration. Actually, one of my other families that I work with, and I use Google Read and Write with um, a student, uh, her brother actually um, was like, what's that cool thing that like reads words for you? And then like eventually mom came on and she was like, do you think I could use that for like her brother? But he doesn't have, you know, any type of special needs. But I was like, yeah, I was like, everybody can use it. Like yeah. I use it. Honestly, I was, I have to tell a story. I was working with a seventh grader and there was a vocabulary word and I had no idea what it meant. Like, I was like, oh my God, like, I don't know what this means. And so it's like, when I, when I come into situations like that, it's actually a great thing because I feel like when we can show our students that like, we don't have all the answers, but we know how to get the answer. That's what's really powerful. And so I had this situation with a seventh grader and I said, you know what? Like, I don't know what that word means. So I did like a think aloud and I was like, well, here's what I do when I'm not sure of a word. You know, I can highlight, I could use Google Reader and Write, I could use Google and I could just search the word. You know, there's lots of different ways to kind of talk through it. And it was such a really, it was a really powerful experience for this student because she was like, I like, you didn't know this word? Are you serious? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm serious. I didn't know this word. <laughs> and I legitimately didn't know it. So anyway, I feel like those situations too are really good learning opportunities for students. They can see that, you know, it's, it's normal to not know every vocabulary word or not know how to pronounce every word. Um, sometimes there's, there's names that come up in articles that I'm reading with students and they're like, is that right? And I'm like, I have no idea. I'm like, I think we could say it this way or this way. Like, what do you think? So I feel like those opportunities are really special for kids um, because it normalizes the fact that 
we all struggle sometimes, but we know how to find the answers to the, to the, you know, problems or um, things that come up. What's going on in the chat here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about quokkas and veggie pygmies and other weird oh, words yeah. that come up in the podcast. <laughs> exactly. Like when you trick me, <laughs> let's talk about how much you trick me. <laughs> what was it, Callie? What was it that, that Chris did that I had to Google search because I didn't know with the music and he bombed. Oh, he rickrolled her. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I, I was like, that was the fun. I picked the podcast that week based on that. And many of my coworkers didn't know what that was. And I was like, we have, there's a, we have special ways of picking our podcast episodes. <laughs> it's really scientific. I thought that was checking. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, but that's the thing is like, we try to like keep it fun. And like, I mean, it's always something related to AT or AAC, you know, so we always kind of circle back to that, but we like to keep it fun. So we're happy that you're, you're choosing some of our most fun moments. Yeah. Well, speaking of keeping it fun, we started our social group this week. And one of the things that we did was all act like animals for the children. They got to tell us what they wanted us to be. And we all acted like animals. So that was really fun. Fun. Was humiliating. Yeah. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> Very I'm really glad it was it. <laughs> That's what gets the kids talking though, right? Oh my yeah. gosh. All my, all my teachers were acting like animals today. And it was so funny, right? It's so much better than click on the button or tell me what this card says, you know? Mm -hmm. That's what so we talk about. So Rachel, when you're talking about a social group, like what does that look like? Like who is in that group? So we, we literally just did our first session this past week. We did, um, we split it up into two groups. The first group is um, 13 and up. And then the other group was under 13 basically. So we just split it up by age. Uh, and we had three, I think in each group, mm -hmm. Tina. Yeah. Um, so for now, three in each group. And um, we started it during the pandemic. So everything was, we planned it virtually. It wasn't something that we had planned beforehand. Like your, the podcast really talked about going out on outings and things like that. And maybe when this is all done, we can do that. But um, for the first attempt at it, we picked a theme and this time it was animals and came up with different um, activities for them to participate in throughout the hour long, 45 minute hour long group. Yeah, so it's a pretty big mix of participants. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so we just wanted to make sure that we're trying to keep them engaged and interested and, and also trying to coach parents a little bit while we're at it. Mm -hmm. um, but when we when we talked about families about this, I think one of the responses we got is that, oh my gosh, my kid doesn't know anybody else who uses AAC. Mm -hmm. So I think just getting kids together in the same room and getting parents together in the same room is really, really, really critical. Mm -hmm. um, it, it just so important to make sure everybody feels like they're not the only one in this world. Um, well, Krista I, talked a lot about like being a model, right? A role model for the other people in the group. And as I was listening to that, I was thinking so much about Mateo, Tina, because I think that he can be that person for, we had Tina's son, Mateo, join the group for both groups, even the little kids. And he's 21 and very proud of that. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's really cute. But I think having that role model and seeing like this is what an EAC user can look like is probably one of the most important things about the social group. 
I have a story, if I can share it, um, about that. So Hannah Foley, did you guys listen to the Hannah Foley episode? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love her. Um, she, it was, it's one of my favorite episodes. She's awesome. And um, her and I have developed a friendship like outside of the podcast. And anyway, I have talked about it on the podcast, but I've been really struggling with, I have two adult AAC users, young adults. So like one is 19 and one is 22. And it's really been a struggle to try to find a social situation because they're still kind of emerging with communication, but you know, one is really putting some words together and, but not quite conversational. And so I've been going back and forth, trying to figure out like a social type of group for these students. And long story short, like we tried, like I worked with mom, we tried a few different things and she was like, they, they were talking about things that like were totally over his head for one. And then it was like, it was like Goldilocks and the three bears. The other one, they were just like talking about like basic things. And I feel like he's so much more advanced than that. So anyway, I talked to Hannah and I was like, Hannah, would you be willing to come to the session with this student? Um, I think it would be really great for this, this student to see, you know, another AAC user using a device to communicate. And I also think it would be really great for the parents. Um, so anyway, we had like Hannah come and uh, it was amazing. I honestly wish we would have recorded it because it was just such a like wonderful interaction. The mom had so many questions. She was like, how do I get my son to talk like you? And like Hannah was just like, it takes a lot of work, but you're in good hands with Rachel. Like just keep up the great work. Um, it was such a, it was such a powerful moment for especially the parents, I think, because, and, and even for my clinicians, like I had my clinicians join us and they've never seen an adult AAC user. So it's like really great to be able to see what AAC can look like down the road, because I think it gives hope to families like, oh, this is what we're working towards. Like mm -hmm. this is possible. Seeing it in another user, um, I think is such a powerful experience. So kind of what you guys are talking about with the social piece, it's really important, I think, for other AAC users, especially to have that peer that peer mentorship. Um, so Tina, it sounds like Mateo is, is doing that for some of the groups, um, which is awesome. Um, and, yeah. and, and Hannah was so wonderful. She was like, I, I loved it. Like I was so happy to help. And I was so happy to talk to the parents. And this, this student of mine has been getting bullied, um, which is so sad, like on public transportation. And mom feels really like terrible and self-conscious and they talked about that. And it was just like a really, really warm and heartwarming moment. And um, I'm just like so thankful. And she, afterwards, her and I were like, how can we do this again? Like maybe we could have a bigger group where, you know, Hannah's kind of like doing a Q&A and I can moderate it. Um, so we're like kind of the wheels are spinning now about how we can do this on a bigger scale so that, um, you know, AAC users and families um, can see what that looks like because we're lucky on the podcast we're able to have AAC users come on we're able to interview them which is awesome because that's like the first thing I do like whenever I do a consult I'm like just in case you're curious like here's some interviews I've done with adult AAC users because um, I think that can really help but um, having some type of like interactive event um, especially now that we're all virtual and it virtual is like so commonplace now. Um, I think it could be really cool to figure out how to do that on a, like a larger scale. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know that's one of the things that you guys talked about, probably I think in the one that you Rick rolled her, you talked about like <laughs> what, what the implications are for with the pandemic and our licensure. 
um, <laughs> and how that is going to play out so that we can serve people, especially people, you know, you talked about like on the border of West Virginia and Ohio, right? Or was it mm -hmm. that right? Yeah. I mean, where I live, Callie, I live 15 minutes from the border of West Virginia. I'm in Virginia and 15 minutes from the border of Maryland. And it's Richmond, Virginia is like four hours away from me with the, you know, the capital. So yeah. does it make sense that I'm licensed in Virginia or, but I have to pay for three licenses in West Virginia and Maryland, or I'm actually more geographically close. And what does that matter in a pandemic when there's people in the middle of Wyoming that don't have anybody and maybe I could reach them because look at all us right now collaborating from all over. So right. it doesn't and make any sense. Anymore well, the nice thing about our social group is that it's not therapy. Nobody is paying for it. Nobody's being billed for it. You know, it's a service that's being provided by agency. And, you know, that we really, um, you know, we're really looking at having people participate. And if they can make the social connections, one of the things we talk about, since we've only had one session for each age group so far, is that maybe one of the things that we can facilitate is bringing back the content of what one child shared about themselves the previous time. And like, who, you know, what are the names of these people? Make the person-to-person -person content, uh, content the important part, not that we talk about zoo animals so much. Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. And not whether they were good at that, but did they make a connection to the other students and maybe parents who were participating? Oh my gosh, look, we both picked squirrels to be. And now, <laughs> why did you pick a squirrel? Like something like that, right? Yeah. How did you, you know, know that? <laughs> is that what you picked? Well, one of the Someone did pick one a squirrel. Of the pick a yeah. squirrel. Did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, we all had to, and we all had to act that out. <laughs> you oh know, God, someone else in your neck of the woods is Lin Lindsay Payton Cargill. I don't know if you ever met her or know her. Oh, Alicia, you're nodding. She, there, we did an episode with her years ago, a couple of years ago now, but one of her kind of claims to fame, she's in Ohio, um, is to start parent groups. So um, what did she call it? The Chatterbox Challenge. Mm -hmm. And the idea was to have families get together or parents get together in social groups, very similar to what we're talking about here with the student groups. But to, And the idea was that during that time, you could only use your child's AAC device um, so that you get more comfortable with modeling. You're doing it in a social way. Maybe you have some questions you answer. And I could see that as an extension of the social group is that it's parents only. She used to like to like um, say, hey, we're going to go out to a, like a winery or something. You know, we'll have some beverages to kind of loosen things up. Um, <laughs> that or i'm advocating for that you know <laughs> um i'm just saying that's what she did i'm just reporting the facts as i heard them <laughs> not that we would do that we wouldn't do that we'd never do that <laughs> uh, but that is another extension you know that i think because that also brings people together and realize you tina i think you said like there's one of the big things that another silver lining is we're all in this together but we were always always we were always in this together you know this helps people realize that that you're not alone yeah, and I think those relationships that are created as a result of being like to, you know, having these similarities. I know that for us um, as a family, those connections that we made over the years with our Camp Chatterbox people, and then now the connections that we're making and putting people together with Camp Alec, I think that, um, oh my gosh, that those are our people, right? Yeah. <laughs> those are 100% those are our people. If I picked up the phone and said, hey, so-and-so in California, I need you. 
they 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 would be there for us. And I think I wish we could duplicate that synergy, those relationships all across the globe um, without having to, you know, pack up and spend a week at camp. I wish we could we could do a better job of putting people together. Mateo always had mentors. We always had, had mentors. I mean, since he was seven, we've had parent mentors. Now he's 21. He's always had AAC mentors. And now he's, you know, morphing into this mentor. And I think the more we can bring people together, this is just a beautiful opportunity for us to be able to do this virtually. I mean, we're so, I think we all feel super grateful that this came together. If it hadn't been for the pandemic, maybe it wouldn't have. So it's really a blessing. Yeah, I was just going to say that because it's virtual, I think more people will try to participate. You know, you don't have to get up, you know, travel all that time. You can just you can just be there. And I think that that virtual piece is being is, is helpful and maybe it will be helpful for, you know, establishing a group then later we can do in person. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm, you know, listening to what Rachel's saying about that specific mentorship that you set up. And Tina, we've been talking for a long time, right, about how we want to be creating more relationships among our AAC users. So it feels like this is a genuine start to that, yeah. right? It's just going to be a matter of how does it morph and, and look differently as a service that our agency provides but it's clearly so needed, you know? So it's it's good to hear, Rachel, that, that you've, you've set it up and that Hannah is now having a relationship with that person and like, how far will that go? Who knows? So it's awesome. Hooray. Now yeah. I love it. In the podcast too, um, you had mentioned that I think, or Krista maybe had mentioned that a lot of the times the people were paired up, but that the partner was a family member. And that really resonated with me because I, we need to do family training, but why can't that partner be an older mentor that we just always pair up together, right? Or some kind of maybe maybe not even older, but just more advanced in their AAC competency at the moment or whatever that might look like. Um, so that was got my you know my wheels turning too for our group because I think we the first time we did it we and it's also hard because it's virtual, but we had a parent or a sibling in the room for all of our children. Um, I wonder how we can morph that virtually and once we're in person to be more of an, a relationship opportunity. You know, I will add that it is completely possible. I, I think this is something that a lot of people don't realize, but Rachel and I, we're closing in on three years of the podcast in November. And Crazy. we've only met once for a couple of hours. Uh, so these and we're besties. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, totally. <laughs> so I just think it's we're evidence that you can have these relationships and we can have these really close um, collaborative relationships where you that are like real, you know? Mm -hmm. um, people often think it's fake because you're virtual, but like Rachel said, we're like best friends, you know? So... Yeah. Um, that's evidence that this could work, you know? I mean, like so many relationships start online. Mm -hmm. Like the, the, that's yeah, all yeah. people do now. So mm -hmm. like, I don't think like the the concept should, should be growing less and less foreign to these families that a relationship can start online and, and maintain online for really, in a really meaningful way. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I think even five years ago, if you had said like, yeah, like this is how people fall in love. Yeah. People would have looked at you like, ew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no way. It's how we do it. 
I, I also love this idea of, I, I think that we forget sometimes as practitioners, because we're, we're so tied into like our language goals that we forget the importance of, you know, conversational language and social language. And even myself, like I get so in the weeds and like this kid needs verbs, like let's work on pronouns. And it's like, let's like work on some, like, you know, the, the chat folder and like give this child, you know, functional communication for interacting and saying, you know, interesting things or laughing at jokes or, you know, things like that. I think that sometimes it's easy to kind of skip over that. And so I think that what's also nice about this social group is that you're kind of forced, right? It's like, okay, the whole point of this is socializing. <laughs> so it's like, we're not going to be like, you know, talking about verbs or pronouns. We're really trying to figure out how we can have like these two, you know, AAC users and how we can connect them um, and give them the tools and the language to support an interaction that's meaningful. Um, and so I love this and I'm really excited that you guys are doing this. And it's so nice. What a service to families. It is. Um, One of our activities that you just made me think of, like, you know, the kids really interacting, they loved, we did a few different things. One was the acting out. One was an animal sound identification. So this was pretty Ooh, funny. Yeah. Like Tina played in a clip of an, an elephant, you know, making yeah. it sound and everybody was guessing all kinds of things. And the kids were really interested. And mm -hmm. then, mm -hmm. then, eventually like everybody had guessed and I would show a picture of what it was and they were all like oh you know <laughs> and um so it's it's funny just the littlest things that's the nice thing is planning wise it doesn't take a lot like it's just the littlest idea and the kids love it and we're getting them to interact it's good stuff Rachel, you know, something that you said that just sparked a conversation that I had with Richard Ellison. I don't know if you know who he is, but mm -mm. he is he recently launched a new app called Talk Suite. So you can go look that up. Um, but in his development of it, he has a son who has cerebral palsy and who is an AAC user. And he's been invested in the AAC community for a very long time mm -hmm. and the disability community. And he came to one of my presentations and he was kind of calling me out um, on the side. He's like, Chris, let's talk about it afterwards because of how much I champion language. And that's to what your point there about the how we tend to focus on the linguistics. Mm -hmm. and so let me tie that together for a second with my random thoughts here. So when core vocabulary started to get larger and larger and people were talking about it, you get a bunch of people that were like, it's core vocabulary all the time, 100% of the time. And we've sort of moved back a little bit to that 80-20 rule. So mm -hmm. we've said, okay, it's 80% of the time, 20% fringe. And this way we are meeting everybody's needs and we don't get into these camps, you know. Um, and I feel like I jumped in this pool for language. And I felt like it was necessary to jump into the 100% core vocabulary because there wasn't that many people that knew about it, you know? And so going in that to that extent and then pulling back a little bit, I feel like was the right move. And I feel like that's the same thing that happens with this language is that everyone was talking about communication and communication meant, hey, requesting goldfish crackers. So we have to talk about language and we have to make the emphasis on language because no one was talking about that. But now that maybe we are, we could start to pull it back and get a little back more to that communication piece. And that was Richard thing too. He's like, part of this talk suite is to have, um, and other apps too, like you said, how many times do you tell the same joke or tell the same story? Maybe it is okay to have a quick fire button that uh, kind of gets through that. Yes, you've taught this person how to generate language, mm -hmm. but then they also can get to the, the heart of what they're trying to say faster. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is a great evolution of where we're headed next. 
is still generative language. It's got to focus on that. There's so many people that don't know about that, but more people than ever know about teaching generative language. So maybe we can now start to shift back to now, how, now that you know generative language, how can we really make it even more, more about the communication and that social element? Yeah, and use the tools that we have, because that's one of the nice things about these devices is like you can program a phrase that could be accessed, you know, quickly. And so I always think about that when I'm thinking about, well, or, or actually presenting on the topic, when do we decide to use a phrase versus focus on generative language? And I feel like it's the social situations where I want kids to be able to communicate quickly and effectively. And it's like, I don't care about generative language right now. I want him to be able to communicate a message that's received by a listener in a timely fashion so that like the peer doesn't like run away because like it took too long. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's so great that we now have so many robust options for AAC systems where we're able to focus on core vocabulary, teach the foundational skills to children so that they're able to generate language but we also, at the same time, can have a chat folder where we have, you know, high frequency phrases that we can use and teach in social situations, especially. Um, so we're, we have the best of both worlds now, which is awesome. So yeah, Alicia and I are working with this individual who we've tried for years to get him to um, embrace an AAC device, and it. it Speech is definitely his first go-to, um, but it's it's difficult for uh, for me to understand for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But we're finally getting a heads in because he wants to control Alexa. But he's going to start using this device to control her mm -hmm. and then learn more about the device to be able to then repair its language when he needs to. I think I think we finally got an in with him. We um, did. It's like magic that the Alexa is seriously like the magic cool thing that he can control. So, oh, and by the way, you could other you use all these other words that are there, you know, just just saying, throwing it out there. <laughs> Tina, Tina wrote in the chat, first Alexa, then the world. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> I, I think I just wanted to throw in there. It is a real challenge for adults. You know, adults have already formed habits. Mm -hmm. A lot of them have, they've grown up and now they're in their 30s, their 40s, and trying to hook them in and where you, that's where your 80-20 might have to flip a little bit. But mm -hmm. the more they see that social reward or the empowerment of I can use all these cool tools like everybody else can, you know, trying to find that way to bring somebody in is so important. And um, since we work with people with developmental disabilities and many of them didn't have that opportunity because of where they went to school or didn't get enough schooling or the right kind of schooling. You know, where do you go here around um, around literacy? I know that um, Karen Erickson and David Coppenhaver are working on a grant and they've, they've been reaching out to us and saying, we know we wanna focus on adults in particular because that's where we see a lot of isolation too. So mm -hmm. um, these social interactions and social groups are important. And some of the staff here on this, uh, on this podcast have tried to bring people together because a lot of our folks are still in their group home or still at home with whoever their caregiver is and feeling very isolated. And just even if people are just seeing each other and making some community communication attempts that it's just such a golden moment because that person is now like, Hey, you're there. I'm here. <laughs> and uh, even if they don't have the words all the time, I've just been so impressed with all the creative ways that that staff here are reaching out and trying to connect people, which is so important. 
Erin Sheldon was nice enough to send us an interview she did with Karen Erickson. Um, and she, this was a long time ago. I feel like this was like last, like after Asha last year. Yeah. Um, and she's like, Rachel, like Chris, we have, I have this interview. I think you could use it for the podcast somehow. And so Chris and I like sat on it, like, how are we going to use it? How are we going to use it? And then eventually we were like, we're just going to like air the interview. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> we thought about breaking it down and discussing it. And we had all these yeah. different plans and then we finally like, let's just get it out to people. <laughs> yeah. But in today's episode that aired today, um, I talk about it's the, one of the students that I work with, uh, just started with him. Um, he is 20 and I think 20 and he just is getting started using a device. And we realized during the assessment, I realized he can type. So family never knew that like wow. he had any type of literacy at all. And so it's just like Tina said, it's never too late. It's never too late. So I'm really excited. I like got a reading specialist on board for this student who doesn't have a lot of experience with kids with complex communication needs and AAC users, but it's a perfect opportunity to train her. Um, she's a reading specialist that I've used with some other kids who are not AAC users. And she's just like such a, such a, such a great person. Cause she's like, I'm down for the challenge. She's like, I've never done it, but like teach me everything. So I've been working closely with her and students making a lot of progress. Um, he has some trouble with some vowel sounds, but he has a lot of sound to letter correspondence and he knows a lot of words already. So it's been a really exciting process. Um, um, but the, the moral of the story is like, one, we don't even know sometimes until we introduce technology, what is up there, right? Like, wow, like he knows literacy, like he can read, he can write, you know, now we really need to like, you know, push him to fill in the gaps. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's not, it's not too late. Cause that's the first thing that dad said to me was, I don't know, like, I mean, I think he's too old. I'm like, no, no such thing. <laughs> no such thing. <laughs> and so, you know, I got him on board and he was like, well, okay, like, let's do this. I'm like, let's do this. <laughs> so anyway, that's the, today's episode. Um, it's a really good one. Um, but of course, it's all about literacy and uh, my experience with some of my like young adult clients. I have found because we're virtual that with my adult clients that we're able to get more buy-in from parents because they're at home and they're with their, you know, they're not at the day program. So, you know, I'm, I, I've had some Zoom meetings where I know that this family would never have considered AAC. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm able to do it um, because they're, they're, they're having some buy-in. Totally. Another silver lining in. That's another yeah. silver lining. <laughs> it's, it's crazy because it's, it's been very difficult in the adult world to start any kind of AAC um, in a in a group home or um, in when that person is you know in a day program or or whatnot that you know parents are don't have time and now they do. I think it's hard too because and we've talked about this a little bit in our group that um, the people who are adults now did not have access to any of this when they were in school or when they were younger and even the mentality around technology in general and how it was integrated into our society looked completely different. So um, I'll be curious to see, I mean, hopefully we won't get to the point where hopefully no adults, you know, will ever have not seen AAC in the next like 10 years maybe, but, um, you know, we'll see if that mentality shifts a little bit too. And I think it's interesting. I, I'm thinking about this student that I'm talking about and I was trying to figure out cause he's very intentional with communication. So he's pointing, he has a lot of ideas about like what he wants to say, like with gestures. Um, 
And I was like, okay, like, where am I going to start with him? And I feel like it's the same process that I go through in a lot of ways with young kids. Um, he's really into cleaning of all things. So I was like, okay, like we can you know, put that all up in your device, like fold laundry. <laughs> Cause I was like, dad, what is he, if you could attach language to his gestures, like, what would he be saying to you? Like if he could speak, what would he say? And he's like, he'd be telling me to like fold the laundry or put away the spices. And I'm like, okay, like let's roll with it. <laughs> so I literally worked with this student for weeks on just like building out language around cleaning. And let me tell you, he like was even using it in my, I saw him actually in person. Um, and I like, it was all geared up in my PPE, but he was like, he was telling me he was pointing. And then I'm like, do you want me to, you want me to wipe the table? And I was like pointing to his device and he's like, wipe table. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so it's just like, I say this, I share the story to say that it's kind of the same process. Um, I like to be really functional with adults to just make sure that it's really meaningful um, and respect, respectful of the content that I'm deciding to use with them. Um, but it still starts with motivation, right? And like what, what a person is already telling you through gestures, nonverbal communication, body language, pointing. Um, and so it's, it's interesting how it's kind of, it's different, but it's also kind of similar. Mm-hmm. We did a podcast club on your motivation episode too. That was, was fantastic. Is that the one where we had the researcher? Oh, so people are saying goodbye. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> Have we completely hijacked your meeting? I hope well, that like- amazing. I know, Anne, I feel terrible because it sounds like you prepared stuff for- Can we, can we like hit anything else last minute? It's, it's been 55 minutes. We've been so excited, you guys. Like this has been awesome. Chris and I talk to each other and we forget sometimes that like other people are listening. Um, so it's really nice to be like, wow, we have listeners. Like they, they, they're listening. Like they know. <laughs> and can I tell you the feedback you gave about the assistive technology? That's gold. We will totally do that. And also Callie, you're about the Rick rolling. That is so good to know. Sometimes I, we do that kind of stuff or I'll do that. And I'll in my, you know, I'll talk to my wife afterwards. I'm like people don't think that's super obnoxious or something. So to know that it's, <laughs> I think it's super obnoxious. Actions, but I thought it was really, really funny. Okay, good. So, so what you're saying is I'm going to continue to get rickrolled? I hope so. <laughs> now that's been done. We'll come up with something new. <laughs> I'm sure you never cease to amaze me with like your pranks. <laughs> so even though today you guys zoom bombed us, um, this this like discussion is very is very like the ones we usually have. Sometimes we don't get to a fraction of the podcast or the journal that we were going to talk about because we have found that our conversation where it like just has headed naturally is just so professionally fulfilling too. So you're good. Okay, good, good. Excellent. Yes, we're happy to hear that. And sometimes it's just like it's the connection, right? It's like the, it's like the inspiration you get after the, the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm sure that that's kind of, you know, part of it too. I mean, I feel like that even just coming to join you guys, I'm like, Oh my gosh, people who know me, like they get me. (laughs) And I feel like there's something to be said for being around other people who understand the work that you do at such a, you know, deep level. Um, it's something that like you can't find when you're just talking to your significant other or friends or family. Learning from each other, right? Learning from each other and learning from our different perspectives and kind of pulling them and then mulling things over and then dispersing it. It's really, really helpful. Yeah. 
especially in this group, we actually have a really strangely diverse group of us in terms of our professional backgrounds and where we've come from. Lots of like second career SLPs or people really from everywhere. So I think that also makes it even more valuable to have all those different perspectives and angles when we're thinking about any issue related to AAC. Mm -hmm. and we're, we're, so lucky, we're so lucky to have access to each other, all, yeah. like, just like what Tina is saying. But I know that even in other districts where there might be 50 SLPs employed, they never ever see each other. Yeah. So the fact that, you know, we are able to, we all, I mean, more than just see each other, we all really care about each other. We're mm -hmm. friends. <laughs> you know, they were all at my wedding. Like, um, like and also we work for the county board, which I'm coming from other SLP areas. I thank God for that every day. We're very supported by Kathy, our manager, but by the board in general. And that is what has allowed us to do all of this. Mm -hmm. In what environment would would this be part of your work day as an SLP anywhere else? That's great. Yeah. Um, I, I, this is reminding me a little bit, Chris, of um, our Talking With Tech Live. Have we, have we talked, have you guys heard us talk about that on the podcast? Not yet. No, not, not yet. yet. <laughs> Chris and I record and we're like, when do we say that? Like, I have no idea. Like, I love that we're getting the inside scoop though. This I... is amazing. We're like, oh my God, tell us more. <laughs> Let me tell you about other things that haven't, haven't dropped yet on the pod. Um, <laughs> so Chris and I have been doing this event called Talking with Tech Live. And so essentially what it is, is an organization, you know, gets us to come and we, instead of a presentation, which Chris and I typically do, um, it's a crowdsourced brainstorm on people's biggest AAC challenges. So it's like an interactive event. We have like a Google form we put up and people put in real time their questions. They can submit questions in advance, but we, there's a list of running questions and then Everybody that's on the event has access to the spreadsheet, the Google Sheet, and they can start typing in answers, they can link to resources, and they can also come on video or mic and just talk through like one of the questions. And so I like, it's like my new favorite thing. I'm like, I could do this for hours every yeah. day, all day long, because it's just so cool to get ideas from people that have different experiences than you. Um, and it's like, we all have kind of the same struggles in a lot of ways and challenges in the work that we do. Um, and so this kind of reminds me of that. And you guys have had kind of the opportunity to crowdsource um, and troubleshoot problems when they come up. Um, so yeah, well, we talk about this all on the podcast. Um, How do we get to be a part of that? I mean, really, we have such a large group of people that this group interacts with from people in schools, day programs. And then we have, there are 16 other SLPs not represented here who work with toddlers. So we have a big early intervention program and we're really starting to hone in on that group. Like, you know, let's develop these children and the family's capacity to understand how important it is to get started now. Don't wait until they're one month from turning three and ready to go in preschool. And it's like, oh, she has five words. Is that a problem? So, you know, so I mean, I, and then, so there's all these people that we interact with. This group gives presentations at the university level, county level, mm -hmm. uh, state conferences, national conferences. I think we'd be a great host of a, I don't know, is that really, is it a talking with tech smackdown? Is that what kind of, it's so, sort of, but it's not really of. about tools. It's yeah. more about someone posts a question and yeah. then we crowdsource the answer. Rachel and I will of course jump in with our thoughts yeah. on it, but really it's, you know, about whatever. And in fact, the, um, 
the episode you were going to talk about today, I think it's the Lauren Bonnet episode. Is that the one that you're, is that who you're going to talk about? No, no Deanna oh. Wagner and Krista, Krista Howard. Howard. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason I mentioned Lauren Bonnet is because the last time we did a talk, well, actually the first time we did a talking with tech live, she happened to be there. So then she was jumping oh, in. That's right. So, um, what, who, what do we have coming up, Rachel? We have one coming up at the Access to Education Conference. Mm-hmm. That's in Indiana. And then we're doing one for uh, Closing the Gap, I think. Yes. Right? Ah, and okay. then we've got, we decided we we're going to try and do one in December for Patreon members mm-hmm. so that you would get in a, um, an invite. And it's like a your Patreon, you're in, you get the link. And if not, mm-hmm. then you're. So those are at least three events coming up. Okay. But of course, we have to do I more. feel like we have another one. I think we have another one. I forget. I like can't keep like between Chris and I's presenting schedules. I'm like, ah, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, but yeah, we definitely have those coming up. Um, Chris, is the, ac- the access to education that's open to everyone, right? I think so. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's free or not. There might be a little bit of a charge. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say, Kathy, is yes, we would happily host something like that and do something like that. But it's it's not rocket science. Like you could make a Google form where people post yeah, questions, right, open right. up a Google sheet. Mm-hmm. You could host something similar to that if you wanted yeah, absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah, you I know. know. Might be something to look at you for next see, year. We heard, about, yeah. we heard about this from talking with tech, go right. listen to their podcast, but right. then your thing, you know? And, and there are a lot of people out there that we interface with that feel somewhat isolated. You know, I'm the mm-hmm. only one in my district that seems to really be about AAC and then maybe they could get some of their fellow SLPs or mm-hmm. intervention specialists or whoever to join in because it's always about like growing that outward, right? And getting more people involved and hearing more of those questions and challenges. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I like that idea. And this group has found many different ways to uh, interact virtually and, and using different platforms, you know, even different ways that we've included our sign language interpreter, just uh, a lot uh, that I've been so impressed with. So and I even think the implications of like the breakout rooms, like if yeah. there's someone that like really has a good discussion going on, mm-hmm, they could just mm-hmm. go into their own breakout room yeah. and continue that while yes. other people yes. are still problem solving, like the many things that are coming through, like virtually. Yeah things yeah. have just gotten even better, even in the last right six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of innovation. We had a similar in our last talking with tech live, uh, two women were talking about, uh, eye tracking users via telepractice. And I was just like, we just like took a step back and I was like, wow, like I'm really engaged in this, like watching them like troubleshoot with each other and like give ideas. Um, so we're actually going to be airing on the podcast clips of that talking with tech live. Um, so they'll be coming up in the next, definitely between now and the end of the year. Um, we're going to split it up. And that was like, basically what we say to people is like, guess what? You're on the podcast. (laughs) So like, if you don't want to be seen or heard, like stay like incognito. Um, And actually Rachel, remember too, because of those questions, you had just done an interview with the Kaylee Gustafson episode. And we said, oh, that's not actually coming out for a bunch of weeks. We rearranged the schedule to make it come out earlier since so many people had questions about it, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Well, you guys, we had so much fun. Yeah, this was Thank great. you for being with us today. We really appreciate it. You can come hang out with us anytime you want. <laughs> Thank you. Kathy, yeah, right? That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I was like, if there if there's a group of people dedicated to listening to our podcast and talking about it, like, We're we there. will show up. <laughs>
<laughs> so we're just really excited that you guys enjoy the work that we do. And it's nice because it is a lot of work, but we feel like it's work that's worth doing. And especially when we hear your guys' feedback and we hear that there's a group of people that are, again, listening and talking about our podcast and sharing it. Um, we're just so excited to be able to do it. And um, we're just really thankful for all of our amazing listeners. It's fuel, it's fuel to keep going. It's it a great cool. surprise. Thank you, guys. Yeah. I know, Tina, I didn't know you're going to be here. Well, that was a surprise for me. <laughs> Tina, Tina and I have definitely corresponded quite a bit over the last year. And actually, Tina, I feel like you reached out to me about the social piece. We um, did, is yeah. Is what you were talking I, about? Yeah. Yes. Okay. 100%. I don't even remember. I was like, my head was spinning like at the moment in time that I read that email. So I don't remember what I said, but <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that was helpful. <laughs> awesome. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. Well, it was so great chatting with you today. And yes, thank um, you. yeah, we're really for joining us. Today. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so to meet much. You guys. Yeah. All awesome. right. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.